Welcome to Chapter 93 of our podcast. On today's show, with the release of Ridley Scott's blockbuster movie, we reveal some little-known facts about Napoleon Bonaparte. And once again, I took one for the team and sampled the 25-year-old bottle of wine that I dug up in the ditch outside our property. I will have that review. This is Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic. Well, happy uh, Black Friday here in France. Yeah, it's Black Friday, not Vendredi Noir, but Black Friday. Yeah, they they anglicize the whole thing. Yeah, well, yeah. it's so weird to me because it, you know, Black Friday is based on the United States Thanksgiving. Right. Originally, but then Canada adopted it as yeah, well. Yeah. But I think now it's global. Yeah. I think it's Black Friday no matter where you live. Yeah. So it's it's time to go buy your electronics and your gadgets and everything's on promotion, apparently. Well, I, not everything. Well, I think it's a big scam myself. What do you mean it's a big scam? Well, I think they they raise the prices and then they lower them. No, So you no. think you're getting a discount. Oh, Julie, everything's a conspiracy with you. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it, it, here's the thing. I, I, I really wanted this uh, iPhone 15 Pro for the camera. It's not on sale. You know, that's that's where it's a scam. It's crap. It's crap stuff that's on sale. It's not the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any case, we're in week what six or seven of our fiber. Uh, oh yeah, saga? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe some of that stuff would be on sale. Like I, I know uh, what we're about to tell you. I got to. We got to buy a whole bunch more stuff, yeah. and and maybe maybe some of that stuff's on sale. Let's uh, hope. I'll, I'll take a look over the weekend or today. Uh, because we have to order, we we've made some decisions here uh, about the uh, the so so just a, a recap as they do with the uh, the shows. <laughs> yes, last week on Succession, uh, last week on Fiber. Uh, so we have it. Was that last week that we got we got we it? We dug it. It was in yeah. last week. Right. All right. So we have it in the studio, but the studio is you know thirty forty. I was going to say kilometers, 30, 40 <laughs> meters from the, the house. So, uh, you know, we, we've been sitting here toying with ideas. And, and, you know, I want to thank everybody uh, who's uh, given us the, the ideas, uh, like Tony, my buddy Tony, and he's been a huge help. Um, but one of the things, one of the sort of roadblocks that we have here is the stone. Mm-hmm. Our you know, walls are really thick. Yeah, as as all of them are in France. So so many Wi-Fi point to point pieces of technology really don't work properly. In a, you know, like you end up getting degradation of a really strong line mm-hmm. if you're trying to put Wi-Fi from here to there with either point to point or even. Uh, uh, Ethernet through power line, which is uh, a system that travels the uh, the signal through your electrical units. It, it's just it just uh, we've tried it all. Yeah, you're, you're losing me with all the technology. Yeah, but bottom I'm line, yeah. it doesn't work. I mean, I made the call because the repeaters, which were supposed to transmit yeah. the fiber signal to our other buildings, no. w- don't come. Once again, the lying yeah, salesman. Yeah. They don't come. They don't come to you. You've got to go pick them up and order them. They don't charge you for them. They charge to activate them. So we brought them home and tested them out. They don't. They don't work. They they might work with the uh, system that I'm going to tell you about right now. By the way, did you get the second decoder? Uh, it's on the way. Oh, it's on the way. I got yeah. a notice. It's going to be delivered today. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, we'll be able to implement that with our second way. So now here's here's where we're at with all this. So now th- this would be 
Fiber 4.0. Um, I don't know. But we're... I've bitten the. I want to thank Ian Service uh, in Guelph. He, uh, of course, he helps out Humble and Fred and stuff, and uh, he's also a fan of the podcast. But he, this is what he does for a living, and he said, "You know what? Your best bet is to just try and hardwire that house." So uh, with with the Cat Five E or the Cat Six cable, and you know, you can get underground cable. It's not that expensive. We probably need between 100 and 150 meters to do this properly because we can't go right across. Because we just paved, paved the driveway. Paved the driveway. So we got to go all the way around. But then Ian came up with this great idea. Oh, well, while you're going around, you can hardwire the guest house. You can hardwire your barn. And then ultimately, you can hardwire the house. Mm-hmm. And he said, you'll have no dropouts. You'll have no issues because, you know, you're always going to have run the risk of point to point through the air. You're always going to run the risk of having these dropouts and issues and a degradation in the optimum uh, running of this line and and strength of the line. So that's what I think we're going to do. I got to get a guy from here to help me. We're trying to get him here. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's going to be, a, yeah, it's going to be an ordeal. And especially when a certain person in the house won't allow overhead wires. Um, and uh, so forcing another person in the house to dig trenches you know, okay. we we got that issue. It, okay, we can get off this topic now because it's 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 boring. Is it boring? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, I mean, ultimately, you know what we thought was going to be a great deal is costing us a small small little. No, fortune. no, it's not. Well, come on, we had to dig, we had to, yeah. you know, buy some some you know conduits, and now we've got to hire another person. So I know it's complicated, but uh, you know it it will get done, and hopefully we will be. Uh, well, totally it, installed with fiber in all our buildings yeah. before Christmas. But here's the other thing that Ian said is once this is in, uh-huh. and, and he's right on this, I know, because once that is in, uh-huh. wired to the house, yep. wired to our stuff, yeah, you won't have any issues. Okay. You know what? I, I reserve the right. To, okay. Yes, yeah. you do. Okay. Yeah. On va voir. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, the one thing that uh, was very fun about the trenching, we mentioned it last week, was that bo- bottle of wine that we unearthed. <gasps> yeah. And uh, so uh, you insisted that I try it before the... Uh, yes. <laughs> you're trying to kill me. But that's, uh, that's understandable. <laughs> you know, take a number. But, you, you know, yeah. so I unearthed this little mini bottle of wine. Uh, uh, from Cahors. From Cahors. And check our Facebook page. I've Included a couple of photos from last week, and it was a, a vintage from 1998. So and then you 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 checked that out, huh? I did. 1998 was a really good year for Malbec in Cahors. Okay. So it got a four out of five. But I was wrong in in terms of uh, my cellaring, which I thought was. Yeah. No, the window is five to fifteen years. Okay. So twenty five years. Uh, well. So I guess the Bordeaux, like the heavy-duty cabs, their their cellaring potential is much higher than the Malbec. Uh, but, okay, so uh, I opened it up, and it went pop, so that was good. Now, there was a little purple residue on the top of the cork, mm-hmm. but there wasn't throughout it. So I think that came from maybe the label, because that— well, you were there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, thing... yeah. No, it it was sealed. It was it yeah. was it was sealed, um, and you took a, a sniff, 
I took a sniff and it was first. Eh, it was okay, and well, like and, it wasn't rancid. No, it wasn't rancid. But when I poured it, I knew we were in trouble. Yeah, it was. It was a kind of a Cla- first a- of all, it was, amber kind of instead it, of red. It was kind of amber. It was also a little more translucent, and the the worst sign, it was cloudy. Right. It was cloudy. So I knew I was in trouble. So you took a little. I did take a little sip, and uh, there was no hospitalization required. No. Afterwards, (laughs) which was good. And we used the rest to clean the drain. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the funny thing was, though, it wasn't vinegary. It was just, it was just, it was just, it it gave up. It was, it was tired. So you know what? (laughs) Uh, After 15 years, I'm done here. Yeah. So it it checked out. And we checked it out, and that that was that. But you know what? There was also no, you know, how you get uh, sort of residue in there. Oh, the sediment? Sediment, yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, it just it didn't look right. It just didn't look no. right. And, and, and it didn't taste right. But it yeah. wasn't, yes. like, wasn't vinegar. Yes. So. And I'm glad we didn't serve it at our dinner party. No, 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 no. That would have been. <laughs> yeah, we had a great dinner stuff. party on, on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that was really great. Um, as, as, I, as I predicted, uh-huh. and... Boy, am I ever glad that we did a seating plan. I know sometimes it seems, oh, here we go. This couple really, oh, yeah, where am I sitting? (laughs) But uh, I'm glad we did that because it was based on language. And Mm -hmm. the I heard, so I heard at the dinner table, I heard obviously English because that was my end of the table. Mm -hmm. Heard lots of French at your end of the Mm -hmm. table. And in the middle of the table, German. Yeah. You know, because we had had Kirsten... Uh, who was uh, across right, from Malin? Malin, and next to Danielle, and there's three. There are three people there who speak German. Mm-hmm. So, and then I heard lots of French going on at your end. Yeah, and we lots of laughs. Lots of which laughs, which is international. And uh, Dirk and Kirsten did just uh, just knocked it out of the park in terms of the the food. It was just yeah. everybody was holy cow. <laughs> like, okay, let's just describe. First of all, we had an amazing amazing appetizer. Yeah, it was uh, smoked salmon. And he cold smokes, right? And uh-huh. he does it himself. Beautiful. I believe on, on some form of salmon reduction. Yeah. So it was salmon on salmon. It was just, it was and it really was a meal good. in itself. It was. I like, by the time the the main meal came, I, I was kind of full. Well, because there, there was a soup. After that was a, a, a pumpkin soup. Delicious. Which was so flavorful. And then came the main, which was a, turkey concoction it wasn't like in a, a pastry yeah, yeah in a pastry it was with with a uh au jus and and uh gravy and yeah. it was really quite delicious and then the pièce de résistance was a white chocolate apple yeah so it looks like an apple uh glazed apple mm-hmm. but then when you break in like with the stem and everything but when you break into it it's chocolate so for the benefit of my friend Danny Kingsbury who just <laughs> loves to post food photos and hates yeah. it that I don't like posting food yeah. photos I have a couple of photos of the apple but that's it I'm not it's it's enough yeah we're keeping it simple yeah keeping it simple so I'll, I have a photo of the apple by itself and all the many apples and then breaking in and in, in, inside the chocolate so there that's that's uh that's for you Danny okay um and uh, we will uh we will post those at Jeff and Julie move to France. Time now for another Paris 2024 Olympic update. So uh, this past week, uh, the transport minister, mm-hmm. Clément Bonne. Who? Clément Bonne. What? That's his name? Yeah. Clément Bonne. 
Yeah, B-E-A-U-N-E. Oh, okay. Not B-O-N-E. All right. Uh, this is what he said to Parisians. <laughs> this is his advice to the Paris uh, inhabitants uh, for when the Olympics um, will be taking place. Okay. His advice? Mm-hmm. Get out. <laughs> Come on! Get out. He said the t- transportation is going to be horrendous and very complicated. And he's telling the Parisians that, that it would be better to stay away. Really? Stay away from Paris during the games. Because otherwise they'll just be complaining. There's going to yeah. be a, a world of complaining anyway. Yeah. And we already know that a lot of people are planning on coming this far south. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. Yeah. So, yep, that that was uh, that was his line. <laughs> so that's not very, you know what? That's that's not very uh, reassuring in terms of uh, the the people who are organizing the event. Like, you know, if I were part of the organizing committee, I'd say, "Hey, wait a minute, Mister Bone. <laughs> we're doing our best here, and you're telling everybody to leave." Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he he didn't come out and and he wasn't this strong uh, a few months ago. He just recently is stating. A quite obvious fact that it's going to be public transportation will be a nightmare and there'll be roadblocks everywhere. Right. But he's saying get out. Yeah. Like that's not yeah. a very. Yeah. Because yeah, you won't be able to get around. Yeah. yeah people want to go see, you know, the Olympic Committee wants people to stay and go see the Olympics. They, they don't want the government doing, telling them to get out. I think they're doing pretty well with their ticket sales. Yeah. Yeah. And those that aren't going to the Olympics will probably enjoy themselves much better yeah. if they don't have the hassle of the hubbub. That goes along with the Olympics. Yeah, but Mr. Bone, you're a bit of a killjoy. That's all I have to say <laughs> to Mr. Bone. Uh, okay, there's our Olympic update. And, then, you yeah. know, th- th- I'm glad I made this little intro for it because they, they, they this weird stories, they come out every week. Pretty much. And probably will continue till, <laughs> till July. One of the things that we were talking with our friends about is maybe going to Roland Garros to see uh, the French Open this uh, coming year in 2024. It'll be about a month or so before the Olympics mm-hmm. and you'd see all the all the infrastructure. So yeah. that might be that might be the time to go. Yes, yeah, for sure. So for I'm sure. Looking forward to that. Yep. So it's uh, Black Friday, but also in the stores, it's <sighs> time for all of the Christmas well, stuff. It's just ridiculous, you know? Like, Halloween is over, and then, especially in North America, but now it's starting to leak over to here. Boom, you're into this Christmas mode. Yeah, you've got all the Christmas decoration, Christmas plates. You've got you've got Christmas sweaters, which is, I think it's a thing now. Yeah, but they they make them as hideous and heinous as possible. <laughs> but I think that's that's the thing. I see. I think it, they, they, there might be some fun in wearing something that's horrendous. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're certainly knocking that out of the park. For sure. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> you need sunglasses for some of these. But you know what I miss about North America that I can't find here during the holiday season is eggnog. Yeah, because you know what, little like warm eggnog with some brandy or rum. Oh, there's nothing like and, and some cinnamon and nutmeg. Nutmeg. On t- yeah. Oh. That was my family's kind of morning tradition. Yeah. When we before opening the gifts, there was and, a, and before all the yelling started. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it, uh, uh, you, it, it's not a thing here, and and I don't think it's a thing in Europe. Although it was invented, or the the history what? of it is based in in England, it's British. Oh, okay. Like back in medieval times. And like what? What is it technically? It's like eggs and it's a, it's a raw egg. It's a cream, 
it like or curdled milk and then an ale like it but back then maybe it was sherry i don't know but the, but the stuff that isn't alcoholic that they sell in the stores it's got some spices in there yeah you know what, vanilla what, and things yeah yeah it's what you were saying cinnamon and yeah. nutmeg and and you know at this time of year back in canada like the shelves are filled yeah. with with eggnog because it's become a, a very popular holiday drink but here you you can't can't find it you can't find it you can go online and order it from amazon for what yeah it needs to be refrigerated I don't. I don't think this one does. Ooh, no, no, no. That's not happening. <laughs> For fifteen euros, yeah, you can get like a one liter thing of eggnog. It's just not worth it. I think if I really get a hankering, I'll just look up a recipe and make it myself. Mm-hmm. There is one area when you when I did a Google search for where to buy eggnog, there's a French company called My American Market. Oh, <laughs> and they sell American products. Do they sell beef? Online, N- no, uh. they don't sell beef. Um, they they nothing that's that's um oh. that can perish, I see. right? But it's a a young girl who went to the U.S. and came back to South South France and couldn't find the products that she'd you know found interesting in the U.S. So she started this company. Now she has thirty people working for her, and they sell all kinds of stuff like you know. Heinz tomato soup oh, and see. Jiffy peanut butter and Aunt Jemima syrup and oh. all that kind of you know uh, okay yeah oh cool yeah yeah they even have your favorite uh, steak sauce uh which which one HP or A one no 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 oh, no rib, the bullseye yes oh they do <laughs> Merry Christmas to me <laughs> there you go I love the bullseye. <laughs> It's potent. Yeah. That's great stuff for ribs. You yeah. smoke some ribs and then lather on the, the bullseye and I'm a happy papa. Oh, yeah. Yep. So th- that was a nice little... Old West Hickory, I remember, is yeah. my favorite one. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can if I can find it. Wouldn't that be something? It was an interesting is... little discovery. I, you know what I call that? Stocking stuffer. Uh, That's what I call that. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, you get your jewels and I'll just take a... <laughs> A jug of ribeye sauce. (laughs) So this week is huge in terms of um, movie, Hollywood movie openings. Oh, is is more than just the the Napoleon one? Oh, well, no, it's it's Napoleon, but everybody's talking about it. Oh, I see. It it premiered... I guess Ridley Scott decided to premiere it in Paris. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So uh, it, it, it... was uh, the, the premiere was held a week before the actual opening? Yeah, the opening was sometime this week, correct? The twenty second of November, and then and then, but the week before it. <laughs> oh boy, here and you know it, what? He was just he was just setting himself up for disappointment <laughs> by premiering well, it in Paris. Yeah, it didn't it didn't go over that well. Uh, you know what? In the French press, he could have made the greatest movie of all time, and they would have poo pooed it because it wasn't a French director and. Well, no, I think they they gave it a shot. You know, one of the problems is that, uh, that they noted was the star Joaquin Phoenix, right? Who's a really kind of creepy in a good way actor, um, and uh, in the movie he speaks his normal language, so he speaks American. Well, yeah, but then if you okay, but uh, then if he if they would have given him an accent, they would have criticized that. 
Well, they criticized the warriors that were, you know, apparently cavalcading on their horses going, Vive la France, but with American accents. So they didn't like See? that either, right? See? There you go. And and I think um, Vanessa Kirby is British. So there was a, a gambit of different accents within the movie, which was a little, a little strange. And then there were some, you know, some inaccuracies, um, you know, such as um, there was one scene where they were seen shooting at the at the, the sphinx and shooting the nose off in Egypt and apparently that never happened so you know I think he took poetic license uh, oh, so, in, in his storytelling oh like Oliver Stone oh. <laughs> so you might not know this but Napoleon wasn't really that short well, I thought he was like five two so five two back in the day in France was a equivalent to five six under british me- measurements oh he's a giant of a man then <laughs> so somewhere around your height <laughs> yeah but back then the average height was was much smaller so he was a- he was average he wasn't actually a you know that uh that's that little but that's where that diminutive but but he's even got a complex named after him napoleon complex which has often been ascribed to me and uh, because i'm a I, I can be an angry little man so uh i get that i get tagged with that all the time so why would he be given you know why would he he be given that name of of a complex if if he wasn't indeed short the british everything is blamed on the british not the Romans. <laughs> Not the Romans. The <laughs> British. <laughs> so also making the news was um, Napoleon's hat, which is called a bicorn because it's got two corners. Okay. Just recently sold. I thought it had three. It's got nope. three. No, no, just two? two. Oh. Just two. Okay. And it sold at uh, the Osena uh, auction house right. uh, last week for 1.9 million euros. What? Yes. It's a, a beaver felt hat that apparently was worn when he traveled back from Elba. He was in exile. And uh, it has it has the little cookout. Like he's got a little um, emblem, red, white, and blue, representing France. Uh, and they didn't expect it to fetch that uh, high a price. But with all the fanfare that's going on with Napoleon, I guess, you know, some buyer who is Whoa. anonymous decided... It was I, anonymous. I, I want that hat. Yeah. Probably Elon Musk. Uh, who knows? Who knows? You know? But that was, uh, that was very interesting. And another thing that is not for sale, but is really weird, is there's a rumor that when they were doing Napoleon's autopsy... Um, Someone remo- removed his member. It was a little wiener. Uh-huh. And it was given to um, um, a priest, apparently. This is, is that where he got his last name? <laughs> no. But anyway, so this this happened back in 1821, and it, it, it's changed hands several times. It's gone to different families. It was sold to a British it's book. It's a bad choice of words. <laughs> It was uh, sold to a British bookstore, then to then it traveled across the Atlantic to, to the U.S., and it was purchased by a urologist who had it for, I think, 30 years and kept it under his bed. And he didn't want anybody to, to see it or make fun of it. He thought that was rude. But before he took possession of it, it was actually uh, exposed in, uh, in New York. 
at um, the French Museum of Fine Arts, I believe. But how is it that it's lasting? Like doesn't... it's not. It didn't last. It's 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 apparently not pretty. It's like a little shriveled uh, eel uh-huh. thing, because it it wasn't preserved. It's right. Well, that's why I'm wondering how it's even anything there at all, because it's just it's just skin, and you know we've seen. What happens to, uh, you know... Yeah, well, they've confirmed, it's been confirmed that it is, it is in fact, a private part. Right. The, what The fact that's not confirmed is whether or not it truly does belong to, or did belong to Napoleon. Wow, I've never heard this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of interesting, quirky things about, about Napoleon. So Bonaparte is Italian. Yes. Well, he was born in Corsica. Right. Corsica was owned by the Italians, and he was born on the year where the French purchased the island. Mm-hmm. So he he actually his first language was Corsican, okay, then Italian, right, and then he was sent to France to learn French. Wow! When he was a kid. So if if Joaquin Phoenix did have to have an accent, it would have been. French with a Corsican accent. Yeah, right. So that would have been almost impossible. I to think, come yeah, up with. probably. Well, and it would, again, getting back to that, it wouldn't have mattered how he portrayed Napoleon. It would have been criticized. So you know what? I'm sure at the end of the day, they're just sitting there thinking, all right, let's just go with the way you speak. I mean, you know, I mean, this happens in all kinds of uh, biopics and, and, and yeah, well, period it was just, pieces. It, yeah, it was just criticized. That's that's all. Yeah. But Napoleon, no matter what language, language he was speaking, um, had a lot of sayings. And that brings me to the French phrase of the day. Ah, so this is a this is a Napoleon phrase. This is a Napo- this is from wow. Napoleon. Yes. Okay. All right. I am ready. Go ahead. Quand on veut, on peut. Quand on peut, on doit. Wow. I think I might be able to get this. Uh-huh. I know these verbs. Uh-huh. Uh, when we want, we can. And when we can, we must. Perfect. Bingo, bingo! Yes! Yes! It's a breakthrough day! Thanks, little Napoleon! It wasn't little. Tell that to his wiener. Oh, that is great. So, uh, could you... Yeah. Quand on veut, on peut. Quand on peut, on doit. When we want, we can. And when we can, we must. And how would you apply that strange saying? Oh, well, I mean, he was probably using it in, in, in war terms, you know, oh, because he, he was a warrior. So, you know, if you want to win the bab- battle, you can, and when you can, you must. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. No, oh, that's a very good saying, especially because I nailed it. <laughs> Bravo, Jeff. Bravo. Yes. Merci. Merci. Okay, before we uh, leave you today, um, just yet another example of French bureaucracy. Uh, there was a little fraud, ac- fraudulent activity on my bank card, uh-huh. which I really still, to the, and we're investigating it, I still don't understand how it happened. I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, because someone uh, gained access to an automatic withdrawal of uh, the account. And when I brought it to the bank's attention, they, at, at first they said, well, you know, you must have, uh, hang on, 
You guys have all the security, okay? So they're investigating it. Yep. You, that was, uh, they were very understanding, weren't they, ultimately? Um, yeah, well, we'll see because it's still under investigation. And that was a couple of weeks ago that uh, they put it to the fraud team right. for them so, to go after. So they had to cancel your the bank card you were using. Yeah, and then how many times since then? So I'll go out. for So we're down to one bank card and I'm halfway to the store and I realize, oh, I didn't get Julie's bank card. Come back, pick up the bank card. You could have brought a checkbook like everybody else. Oh, jeez. <laughs> If I see, if I see one more checkbook, I, I tell you what. It and didn't you see a, like a tiny purchase the other day? Yes. What yeah. was that all about? Uh, I don't know. They it was for like four dollars and four euros and like twenty nine centimes, and they wrote a check at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's just. Uh... So, first of all, you don't have five bucks in cash, and second of all, you don't have a credit card, and you're pulling out a checkbook for four bucks. It's off in the middle. Oh, and by the way, here's what has to happen. Okay, because the last time we were at the the grocery store and there was a check, I watched. Uh So here's what has to happen. The person, first of all, has to fumble around, and usually their purse, because it's... <laughs> oh, come okay? on. And then they pull out their checkbook. Uh, uh, combien? Oh, yeah. And then they get the number, and then they start writing the check. Oh, yeah, now the line's 15 deep. Uh, and they're writing the check and having a little, oh, yeah, we, 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 having a nice discussion. Now it's 20 deep. And so she writes the check and rips it off the checkbook, and then she passes it over to the cashier. Now, here's what the cashier has to do. They have to run it through a machine. So it essentially takes the money out of the account. But wait, there's more. Can I please have some ID? So then, oh, put her wallet back in the purse. Now got to go get that wallet again. Pull out her driver's license. Hand it to the woman. She's got to write everything on the back of the check. Oh, my God. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Like even the fastest check writers. I mean, the process from start to finish takes at least three minutes. Yeah, at at least. least. Yeah. Well, so anyway, yeah. Back I, to your card. Back to my card. So uh, they said it'll be ready in about a week. Which, first of all, I said you got to be kidding me. I mean, you go home and 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 you need a new uh, Mastercard or Amex, or it's there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like they fast track that that stuff. Yes. What's well, it's different though because here they're not credit cards, right? They're just bank cards. No, I'm just saying that. We have the high-end bank card here. You'd think that it would be fast-tracked. So anyway, uh, the woman who I was dealing with on the phone with the bank said, you won't need to change your passcode. Mm -hmm. Oh, great, because who wants a new passcode? Right. Uh, And uh, so that was the understanding of the guy at the bank as well. So he calls, and he says, your card's ready. We go over the other day, pick it up. I I go to make a transaction. Wrong code. Mm -hmm. We we take it right back to the bank because we were right around the corner. Uh-huh. We go in there. And he, he said, oh, yeah, you've got a new code. Yeah. Oh, and can, it, can you tell us what the code is? No. No. <laughs> no. No, I can't. Well, what do we do? Well, it's going to come in the mail. Okay, that was two days ago. Yeah, they, they yeah, it was probably mailed two day, two or three days ago. Well, if it's not there today, then we have, that, we have to wait till next week. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys, it's just, it's just, uh, but you know what? It Here's the thing. I, now this is how I'm starting to look at this stuff. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's topics for our podcast. 
Oh, every little mishap and yeah, incident. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Sometimes we'll just look at each other and go, podcast. That's for the podcast. And I have friends <laughs> back home who just love when this kind of stuff happens to me. They just love it. They're just eating it up. They like to see you miserable. Yeah, they love that. <laughs> so, uh, well, there's uh, there's one more uh, case of me being miserable, and we'll have another couple of cases for you that we don't even know about <laughs> on next week's podcast as Jeff and Julie moves to France during a global pandemic continues with chapter 94. Have a great day. A très bientôt.